everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Yay. Hooray. Hooray. A couple things. Can I just do some morning announcements? Ding, ding, ding. I just wanted to say a special thank you to listeners who did some really, really nice things for us lately. The first listener's name is Cam at Digital Art Cat on Twitter and at Colored Pencil Cat Art on Instagram. Oh my gosh, Cameron, you are so talented. This cartoon you did of Katie and I, when Katie is telling the epic, I'm not finished story when she was in a Junior Miss pageant. Oh my gosh. And you made our faces really cute. Incredible. You are so freaking talented. It's delightful. Just amazing. And then the Jenny at the Jenny on Twitter created a new Twitter account called Date Dateline Out of Context. Oh, no. So it's Date Dateline OOC. And it's just the random things that she's heard us say. Like at one point you said, I have cirrhosis of the eardrum, your honor. I don't know what that was referred to. And one time I said, it's like Ocean's Eleven, but church version. (laughs) I don't know what that means either. There's just really, really funny things that that she's put on there. And I thought that we have an out of context Twitter account now. Thank you, the Jenny. That's hysterical. I'm going to go look at that when I need a laugh. That's or what I'm feeling, especially unfunny. I'm going to (laughs) go and be like, that sounds funny. That probably might have been funny. (laughs) It's funnier out of context, I bet. Exactly. It's great. I love it. It'll make us feel better about ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Also, we wanted to say a special hug to someone we know that's going through a difficult period and transitioning in their time, lifetime, that we just want to say we're with you. We're not going to say their name. We just want them to know we're listening. It's a podcast hug. We're there for you. Podcast hug. Pod hug. Pahug. Pahug. A pug. Pahug. What's better than a pug? Pahug sounds very close to paham hug. <laughs> No, the pug like a dog, though. Everyone loves pugs. People do tend to love those. They really do. This episode is called Bitter Pill. Oh, the reason we're doing this repeat is because Josh Mankiewicz and Keith Morrison are ice skating for gold medals. I can't wait. They already have the gold. If you want to know what song they would pair a couple ice skate to, a couple's ice skating routine. Couple skate. Couple skate. If they were to do that in the Olympics, we recently asked Josh Mankiewicz what song it would be. We're not going to tell you. You have to go and listen to our interview with Josh Mankiewicz, which was from last Friday. And it was we had talked about his latest episode of Dateline. We talked about what clothes he wore in the 70s. We talked about if he went to his high school dances. Spoiler. He didn't. It's sad. Because they didn't have them. Not because he didn't. Don't do that to him. But also high school dances are terrible. And I think he actually, that's a win in my book. It's true. Because then it just takes the pressure off. You don't have to go. You don't have to worry about finding a date. You just, there aren't dances. You just don't have to worry about it. Yeah, they just aren't there. There you go. So better. So we are doing a repeat bitter pill. You can find it on Peacock. It is season 18, episode 33. It aired on April 26th, 2010. 11 years ago, that was. Was it really? Crazy. Dennis Murphy interviews. <gasps> He's our host. Yes. Love the man, that Mr. Murph. It's been so long. I was so excited this was a Dennis. Should we call him Murph Dog? No, it doesn't work. No. 
Dennis is enough. Murphy is here and in a suit. He's suited up. He is. He's not wearing that weird pajama top that was so polarizing. You say weird and I don't. You were the only one that accepted that top. Because Dennis is enough for me just as he is. That's true. I hope he hears this. The color was nice on him. Let's not go back. Let's go forward. Or actually, we are going way back now, but you know what I mean. (laughs) So this episode takes place in February of 2005 in suburban Ohio in what Dennis calls a mom's dad's kids and dogs neighborhood. Rosie Issa is 38 years old. She's driving to meet her sister, Deanna, for a movie. And she's married to a man named Yazid, who goes by Yaz. She was a nurse. He is was a doctor. They met at the same hospital. We recently had a double date that started that very same way, and it ended poorly. So does this. Yeah. They had a big house. They were very successful. They had a pool. He was a family man. We meet her parents. I am obsessed with her parents, especially like the really Italian parents like these are. Yeah. I love maybe because it's a little bit reminds me of my Jewish parents. There's a lot of overlap. And these parents are Rocco and Gigi DiPuccio. Rocco and Gigi. I love you. I don't want to say that Italian parents love their kids more, but they might. (laughs) That might be what's happening here. Because the kind of love, tough love and just pure love that they have is just different than (laughs) what I've experienced. It's lovely. I'm so sorry. No, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's no besmirching my family. But there is something about it that just is it's so sweet. But it also makes these episodes so sad. Yeah, so sad. So they loved Rosie, obviously, but they also loved their son-in-law, Yaz. And Gigi said how generous he was that if Rosie sent him out for two jars of baby food, he'd come back with 36. Now, I immediately think he's an extreme couponer. Oh. He has the shelves built in the garage and he has 27 rolls of paper towels and 18 boxes of toothpaste and 72 jars of ragu pasta sauce because it was on sale for a dollar. And then you got the coupon that was buy one, get one. And then there was the $1 off. But if Ohio, where they are, double coupons, those jars of baby food are like two cents. Maybe buy one, get, maybe you get money off. That's the best is when they buy like $800 worth of food and the store gives them back 96 cents. Yeah, that is amazing, isn't it? It's a good show. That is always the most exciting time when they're at the register. You know everyone in the store is annoyed, though. You do know it in your gut. I get nervous because the machine breaks and then they have to call in a manager. Yes, all the time. Also, he could just be the type of guy back to Yaz buying the cans of baby food or the jars of baby food. Oliver will overbuy if he's going to buy one thing instead of a few of something because he doesn't want to go back. So that also might be what Yaz is doing. He's a busy guy. He's a doctor. Yeah. Dennis asks Gigi, was he being a show off with all the baby food? And Gigi says, no, he was just generous. And Gigi said to Yaz, I think that you've been blessed with so much from God because you're so generous to other people. We'll see. 
Rosie herself was down to earth. She didn't care about all the fancy things they had. She loved being a mom. They had a daughter and a son. She was so happy to be a mom. They were married for almost six years and they were trying for another child. She was taking prenatal vitamins. Okay. How old is Rosie? 38. Wow. Good for her. Okay. Rosie is driving to the movies that day. She's talking to her friend Eva on the phone. Suddenly, witnesses see her black SUV lose control, crosses lanes, hits a car, keeps going, and then stops. It's like a mini OJ. But not fast. Sort of rolling into other cars. No, very slow. OJ was also quite slow, actually. You could have ran alongside the OJ car and waved at them inside the car and been like, hey, you're that friend. And the friend that's like, I'm Al Cowlings. That's my name. That's right. So this witness, Tara, she is a medical technician. She pulls over to help. She gets a lot of B-roll footage, which I was surprised with. They're just giving out B-roll footage. I didn't even think we'd get a name. I thought it would be like this lady stopped to help and then she's done with the story. But she got B-roll footage of her driving. Mm -hmm. She tried to help. Rosie was out of it. She was like vomiting. They rush her to the hospital. And unfortunately, she does not make it. Mm. Now we cut to Dennis. He is in a very modern, posh looking living room with lots of beige and black geometric patterns. And it didn't look like children should be in that room. Like, it's dangerous. I didn't even like Dennis being in that room. I felt like something heavy could fall on him or he could hit his head on that fireplace. It's all marble and black metal pieces. You know, there was like a black thing that went up the wall that was like a statue. I know that sometimes people have a formal living room and an informal living room. Yeah, this was the formal living room. Right. For sure. Dennis tells us that... Just hours after she passed away, Eva contacted Rosie's brother, Dominic, Mm -hmm. to repeat what had happened on the phone call with Rosie. What was it? We learn it was literally unbelievable what Eva was suggesting to Dominic. What was it? (laughs) Dominic tells Rosie's other brother, Rocky, this incredible thing. What was it? You are not going to believe what I've just heard, Rocky. What was it? Why are you saying it like that? The brothers decide to keep this monstrous secret that Dennis still is not telling us what it is. And it's so huge. They're keeping it from their parents and not telling anyone in the family. And they start to fight and it starts to destroy their relationship. The two brothers over this incredible thing that no one is ever going to tell us what it was. What did you think it was? You've seen this episode a million times, so it doesn't count for you. What did you think it was? That's a really good question. You just asked it to me, but you didn't even have an answer in mind for yourself. Of what I thought it was? The problem was, is I think I had already known it was what it was as well. (laughs) I didn't really. Because of the title of the episode? It could have been that. I think also when they do those short snippets at the beginning, it was in there. You really got to skip that. You got to skip that beginning part because it gives too much away, especially in the older ones. I do not watch those beginning snippets and I don't watch the things when they're going to commercial and they're saying what's coming up next. Strangely, I 
sort of avoid them too. But for some reason in this one, I didn't. I think because I was really anxious to see who the host was and they didn't reveal the host until the actual episode started. We haven't had a Dennis or an Andrea in a minute. So I was sort of hoping it was going to be one of them. So I watched it, but then I sort of hosed myself for what the big reveal was. It's still surprising. So this secret, there's trouble. And the trouble is between the two brothers, Dominic and Rocco. Rocky. The dad is Rocco. The dad is Rocco and the son is Rocky. The son is Rocky. Apologies. Okay, so finally we're getting to what the conversation, what Eva is going to finally spill the tea. Eva was on the phone with Rosie as she's going to the movies and Rosie is telling Eva that Yaz gave her these a calcium pill to take. Even though she was running late for the movies, he insisted she take this calcium pill. And now she's feeling really sick and she thinks it might be the pills that are making her sick. So this is the big thing. And Dennis is sitting with Dominic, the brother, and he says, so what I'm hearing is there's some kind of pill. He gave it to her. It's making her sick as she's on the phone with Eva and within an hour she's dead. And you were like, yes, Dennis, you are a great listener. That is what you heard. Nailed it. But you don't need to miss the previews anymore because your husband is making you take a supplement that's definitely not poison on your way out of the house. You could take a snack with you to go. Absolutely. Why not? Monkback bars, delicious, nutritious and amazing. I don't know if you're allowed. I feel like I should do a disclaimer. Are you allowed to take food into the movies? Am I suggesting someone become a criminal by slipping a monk pack bar in their purse? Case candelic. You can just eat one at home while watching a movie. Yeah. Forget even sneaking it into your purse. Put it in your pocket. Walk into the other room and turn on the TV. Done and done. It's that portable. It is. Healthy snacks can have a rough reputation. And let's be honest, most healthy snacks don't taste very good. You probably wouldn't want to eat them while watching a movie. I mean, maybe you'd want to munch on a carrot, but the likelihood is probably not. Healthy snacks don't really satisfy your cravings for something sweet and yummy, especially while watching TV. That's why we love Monk Pack bars. Monk Pack knows how to make snacks that taste like your favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're fantastic for anybody following a keto lifestyle. They're the perfect snack for anybody who is trying to eat better, myself included. Cut back on sugar. Myself as well. There we go. And carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have the perfect balance of sweet and salty. They have a crunch from the whole nuts and seeds, but they still manage to be soft and chewy. They come in incredible flavors like sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate, and personally, the ones I always love, macadamia white chocolate, pumpkin seed cinnamon almond, or lately, the coconut dark chocolate. Mm. I love the coconut dark chocolate. There's something about it right now. Yeah. I'm craving it. But if you can't decide your favorite, there's a variety pack and you can try them all. And even bonus to that, you can have it delivered. They are perfect for a quick snack on the go to satisfy your sweet tooth without worrying about your sugar. But also they don't have that weird tinny aftertaste that some items with that fake sugar, no sugar can leave with that tin taste in your mouth. They don't do that. Monkback Keto Nut and Seed Bars are delicious. They're also gluten-free, plant-based, non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar, alcohols, or artificial colors. I mean, you can't beat it. 
we are obsessed with these bars and probably eat more than we should. But I make sure that I'm always fully stocked. I know you make sure you're always fully stocked. And that's why signing up for a subscription with Monk Pack is a great idea for 2022. You can get your favorite flavors delivered and they save you 10% on every order and they ship them automatically. Getting these amazing bars delivered to me on a regular basis has been honestly like one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> but it's also really, really helped me to eat healthier. So I have Monk Pack to thank for that. So why don't you try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for our listeners. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering code DATEDATELINE at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, I can't think of any reason you won't like it, but just in case they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select whatever product looks good to you. Try the coconut dark chocolate. Why not? What have you got to lose? I love it. Enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and you're all set. Monkpack keto, nut and seed. Dude, 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 dude. Try the variety pack or coconut dark chocolate. <laughs> I feel like I'm pushing flavors on people. I just, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Thank you, Monk Pack. Thank you, Monk Pack. It's February and love is in the air. And my idea of romance is using a bumblebee on a motorcycle named Beebert to kill a giant slug. That's right. I'm talking about best fiends. <laughs> my endless love. Beebert. Beebert. Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile game that is like giving your brain roses and chocolates and a gift certificate that says, good for one hour of keeping the kids away from you so you can relax in peace, which is, I feel like, what people give each other on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Coupon booklet? You bet. Yeah. I play it all the time, just for a few minutes or for sometimes much, much longer. Try thousand minutes, giga minutes, especially when I'm stressed out. I've found that it's a much healthier form of me time and self-care than all the potato chips ever all the time. I am currently on level 2,557 and my favorite character is Dot. He's an earthworm and we like long walks on the beach. Oh, super romantic. My favorite thing about the game is that it's challenging, but it's also relaxing. It doesn't have those ticking clocks that are like, you're about to explode if you don't do that. Yeah, I hate that. It makes me sweat. I don't like it. Best Fiends is the perfect game for adults looking to escape from adulting, keeping ourselves entertained in the grocery line, recharging our old brains like a mental spa day. Are you ready to give your brain some TLC? Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You're my best Valentine that I ever had. Been with you such a long time. Ooh, you're my best fiend. Dentine. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Best Fiends. Thank you, Best Fiends. So the brother, Rosie's brother, Dominic, calls a brother council with his brother and Rocky and their wives. So the four of them. And they need some place private to talk 
We don't know why either of their houses was not private. Like, were their houses being bugged or something? They do this covert mission where Dennis tells us they all get in one car, which I didn't know why that was important to the story because they're environmentally conscious. They're carpooling. Unsure. I had a thought. Either the kids are older, somebody's got teenagers that could overhear, or the parents live with one of the brothers. That's possible. I think it's the parents they're trying to avoid talking about this in front of, which makes me, and it would be suspicious. Maybe they're the kind of parents that are like, hey, where are you going? Wait, you're going to see Dom? Rocky's going to see Dom. Let's go. (laughs) Do you know it would be a thing? So they're trying to avoid all suspicions. But by meeting in a church parking lot, it makes it a thousand times more suspicious. It does. Just the most suspicious. It would be most suspicious if they went into the church and were like lighting those prayer candles. And then each one got into a pew behind the other pew. So they can, they're not facing each other or sitting next to each other. They're just like talking. And then, you know, like when in a spy movie and like the person comes up next to the informant and they pretend they're both just sitting on the bus and they just start talking straight ahead. Like they're not talking to each other. That's exactly. Except maybe it would be Christmas time when this is happening. And so there's a choir like in Home Alone when the choir's practicing. It would be like that. <laughs> Very Home Alone. So they go to the church parking lot and they sit in the car, I guess, and have this conversation. No, I think they're like outside the cars. I think they're all huddled around and the cars are blocking them in. I I think this was a whole operation. I'm not sure. Like they're huddled on the ground so that they can't be seen amongst the cars. Why didn't they just go to the middle of a forest or something? That's what I would do. If I had a big secret, I would go to like a middle of nowhere where I have no service. So I know my phone's not being bugged. And then I would tell it to the trees, tell my secret to the trees. Well, that's not very dramatic. It's much better to do a church parking lot. If a tree hears a secret in the woods, (laughs) does it even, is there even a secret? Is there a secret? Yeah. Yeah. So they bring in a fifth person. They call Eva from this council that they're having. And Eva tells them again the story and she is really pushing for a full autopsy and toxicology report on Rosie's death. She is sure that those calcium pills had something to do with it. So Dominic, the lawyer brother, wants to go slow. He wants to let the coroner do the report first. But Rocky and his wife want to go straight to the cops. So this is like where some of the tension is building up. Also, like they really want to hide this from the parents and from the other members of the family. So they're both keeping this huge secret and they're not agreeing on how to handle it. And it's very dramatic. What would you do? Do you see why they don't want to tell the, the why they don't want to? Because once they start that ball rolling, you can't unroll that ball. That ball is rolling down that hill and you don't know what it's crashing into. You know what, Katie? Ask Sisyphus. You can roll that ball back up that hill. That's what he did all day long. Sorry, a little mythology for you there. I don't know the legend of Sisyphus. Sisyphus was cursed to have to roll a big boulder back up a hill and then go down the hill and then you have to roll it back up the hill. Is that what the Kate Bush song is about, running up that hill? I don't know. I haven't heard that song. Sisyphus. Cookie crisp. (laughs) 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 
wait a minute. I know some things. I just didn't know about him. So, I mean, I know of him. Yeah, it's fine. Not everyone knows about Sisyphus. I didn't know what he was doing. I thought maybe he was the one with the wings. If you really knew Hamilton, you would know who the one with the wings was. The angel from Angels in America. Are you talking about the one who flew too close to the sun? I'm pleading. I declined to state at this time. Okay. No comment. He has married an Icarus who has flown too close to the sun. Oh, yeah, that's right. Their name sounds slightly familiar. Yeah. There's us's in the names. Okay, so here we go. I understand why they're trying to do this in the parking lot. This, I see that this could really implode the family at a time when it's already kind of imploding because a sibling has passed, right? Yes. So I think that this decision probably feels insurmountable, especially when they're trying, they're in grief. And so it's like, what do we do with this information? Because it does seem highly suspicious, but by going to the police, it means we think he killed her. Right. It's, I get it. So it is high drama because it is kind of high drama. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel bad for them. I wasn't saying they were over-dramatizing. They're not acting like drama. You said that they were going to be in church views one behind the other. (laughs) Well, I do think this secret liaison they're having is a bit dramatic, but I agree the topic is extremely dramatic. I think it's for a good reason. I think that they're really worried because this could just, and this could really just destroy their parents. Yeah, absolutely. So they decide to wait and get the cause of death from the coroner. The cause of death, though, comes back unknown and they have to wait for more tests. And so they're still fighting about it, not knowing what to do. And the mom knows there's tension, but she doesn't know why. So she's like, Rocco, you got to talk to Dominic and Rocky. But she doesn't talk like this at all. I don't know why I'm doing that accent. Because she talks a little bit like that. (laughs) Not really. I feel like that was off. She did in my head. Okay. That's how I heard it. And also, she's not even that Italian. Like, Rocco, you got to talk to Dominic and Rocky. They're brothers. They shouldn't be fighting. It wasn't like that either. But that's how kind of how I wanted her to talk because I loved her. Yeah, I, I get that. So neighbor, enter a new character. Neighbor, Christine DeSillo. DeSillo. She was a nurse that had worked with Rosie and Yaz. She very much does not want to be the nosy neighbor from Bewitched, which she says that like it's a bad thing. We love the nosy neighbor on Dateline. We only wish she had binoculars like our favorite nosy neighbor, Delia, who literally looked out of her house with binoculars. I thought that this person was about to play a huge part in this because of the amount of B-roll, again, that she's getting, just the style of her hair, the whole thing. Style of her hair led you to believe she was important to the story. Sadly, yes. And so I, it did. I get it. No, I get it. Also that they left in her Gladys Kravitz line and Dennis seemed delighted by this reference. He loved it. That's why they left it in. He loved it. It was very cute. Also, she seems a little young to be using Bewitched as a reference, I have to say. I agree. That's a great point. Maybe Nick at Night? Like she watched those reruns. She definitely was not watching it when it was on. She's one of my people. I maybe should call her to see how she's doing. So Christine used to work with Yaz and Rosie, but now she lives by Eva. Eva is really the, in a good way, 
squeaky wheel, kind of. She's like telling everyone about this conversation. But we're not meeting Eva. Again, we're not meeting Eva, which is hilarious. She's so important to the story and we're not meeting her. One picture of Eva over and over, and it's the most extreme close-up you've ever seen. You can't even see her neck. It's just (laughs) face. That's it. It's very clearly cropped from a picture where she's with someone else. And it's like, this is my face. (laughs) Or she's wearing a shirt that says something really offensive. I don't see that from Eva. Again, we don't know much about Eva. Yeah, she is a mystery. Other than she has a phone, she's friends with Rosie, and she has ears and listens. And she knows the brothers well enough to call. She knows Dominic enough. That's true. So there we go. Yeah. And she lives near Christine. So childhood friend, maybe. If she knows the brother. I don't know. Yeah, I think they did say longtime friend. So Christine hears about these calcium pills from Eva. And Christine thinks the whole thing is super sus. She thinks, why is he insisting about these pills when she's running late? And she turns to her husband and she says, I think he killed her, which is our favorite thing that we've only seen a couple. It's my favorite thing. It is. The couples. I love when the couples bond over suspicions of murder. But. I think that you can go ahead and mark small town gossip mill off your bingo cards because what's happening here is Eva is kind of calling in. It's like a telephone. What's that called? A round robin where they... A little bit. She's telling people this in a... I'm wondering the way in which it was told. If it was like, did you know that he gave her a pill right before she left? Right. I heard that she heard it from someone else, but it was her that's, you know... I wonder. I heard so-and-so. We don't get to meet Eva. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to just besmirch her at all, which is also she got the word out. No, she wants to protect her friend. She got the word out. She made it happen. It's fine. But I do wish I could meet her. It's more fun to imagine, though, how she did it. So this Christine does what maybe Eva was hoping someone would do. Yes, definitely. Which is call the authorities. I would say that that was Eva's hope. Yes, I agree. So Christine says, I called the police and I told them what I thought. And you know what? No harm, no foul. If they don't believe me or if they prove me wrong, that's fine. I can say, no, I'm sorry. I I made a mistake. Thank you. And no, no worries. I was so impressed by her gumption and her being not afraid to put herself out there and be rejected. (laughs) That's a lot of us would be too scared. Like they're going to shut us down. It was more just refreshing to see someone because we see the opposite just time after time after time. She's just willing to be wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Good for you. It's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not embarrassed. It's fine. So we meet the detective who is on the case, Gary McKee, and he is already working the case because he is feeling super sus about the, sorry, I know Katie hates it, (laughs) the car crash death. He had facts that didn't add up, like the fact that it was basically a fender bender, a slow moving car crash, and she had no external injuries, but she died and she was only 38. That's very concerning. So he calls Yaz in to the station and he asks him about the calcium pills. And Yaz says, well, what happened was, 
I was talking to my mom and my mom had this older lady friend, this like older person, and she had osteoporosis. And I thought, well, Rosie, you know, she is over 35, so she should start taking calcium pills. And while that might be true, it still hurt to me. Like when Keith said 40 was barreling down on her like a Chinese bullet train. I'm going to be honest. This is the point when I knew that maybe Yaz did it. I mean, you sort of know from the beginning, but you really know now because we've already been told that she was trying to have a baby. Why don't you just say that? We wanted to up her vitamin intake. Right. And especially her calcium because we're trying for a baby officer. Right. And she's already taking prenatal vitamins. Right. Do those not have calcium in them? That's a good question. I think it's just a really easy thing. Just like we were going to try. She just decided to take more vitamins. And so I'm supposed to remind her. So I reminded her as she was out the door. Right. The fact that he does this whole, it was my mom and my mom had this friend who has osteoporosis and he's a doctor though. He could have just played it off. Like I'm a doctor. I know women should take calcium. That's it. I'm a doctor. She needs more calcium. Right. She's been having some problems with her joints or I don't know. Just make something up. No one's going to question you. You're a doctor. Yeah. So the detective asks him about the marriage and Yaz says that everything was fine. In the most unconvincing way I've ever heard in my life. How was the marriage? It's good. Nothing odd in the marriage. Nothing going on. Nothing bad at home. No, it's good. That's it. It's like if someone asked you, how is your burrito? And you'd just be like, it's good. Actually, if someone asked me how my burrito was, I'd be like, oh, my God, it's the best burrito I've ever had. Unless it's bad. And if it's a bad burrito, you say, yeah, it's good. So maybe we should infer from that that it's bad. The marriage is a bad burrito at this point. Right. Uh Uh-huh. It's soggy and everything got all mixed together and you did the proportions all wrong. And then you tried to heat it up and forgot there was sour cream in it. So you heated up the sour cream in the middle and now it's not good. There's like only guacamole at the very bottom and it's all clumped together at the bottom instead of dispersed throughout. No, that's not acceptable. You send that burrito back to hell where it came from. (laughs) Back to hell (laughs) or Chipotle, wherever you got it from, Taco Bell. I'm sending this burrito back to Taco Bell. It is unacceptable. (laughs) Taco hell. That's why The detective says, you know what? Can I get those pills from you? I want the prenatal vitamins. I want the calcium pills. Let's go to your house right now. And I'm going to follow you to the house to make sure you're not going to tamper with anything, basically. So they go to the house and there's a woman there named Margarita Montanez, who is the daytime nanny. And apparently there's a nighttime nanny too. And Yaz had hired both of them after Rosie died. More on that later. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yaz gives the detective the pills. The next day, Yaz calls Rosie's sister and says, can you watch the kids overnight? And she's like, sure. So then in the middle of the night at 4 a.m., he calls and says, my friend's brother was in a bad accident. He's probably not going to make it. And you're like, another car accident? That's coincidence. And you know, he's not going to make it. I probably want to go to North Carolina to visit. Can you stay with the kids for the whole rest of the weekend? She says, yes. Wait, because your friend was in an accident or your friend's brother? Friend's brother. All right. I have questions. And he wants to go and support the friend, 
I guess. Okay. So he's not busy being a doctor at this time? He doesn't have any patients, any surgeries, any nothing? Okay, he's good. Right. Yeah. So on Monday, when he's supposed to come back, he doesn't come back. Shocker. No one can find him. He's missing. Rosie's sister finds the friend's number and calls and is like, hey, how's your brother? Did your brother die? She doesn't say that. And the brother's like, what? No. And she's like, have you seen Yaz? No, I haven't seen Yaz. Wow. So no brother in an accident. Yaz was not there. So the family that all the people that are in the inner council of the scandal go to Yaz's house and they find an envelope that looks like what a passport would come in. So they're like, oh, my God, he is on the lamb. He has left his job as a doctor. He has left his children, his young children. But he's not on the lamb because he's not charged with murder. He's not even a suspect at this point. But this is the day after he gave those pills to the detectives. So now he's a suspect. Yeah. So Rosie's brother, Dominic, files a missing persons report on Yes, which is he's not missing. He does not want to be found. And they start to investigate. So you can mark off when the family members become detectives, because we love that on your bingo cards. So They find an email blast that Yaz sent to all of his friends the day after Rosie died. And it said, hey, just wanted to let you know that Rosie died yesterday in a minor car accident and she will be missed. The end. Keep in touch. Yaz. The end. And Dennis is like, that's it. And they're like, yeah, that's it. She will be missed. That's it. And in a mass email. You know, in normal circumstances, you could say, "Okay, he's racked with grief. There's a lot of things you could say about this, but it's the culmination. It's not great. So they also find credit card transactions with a plane ticket that Yaz has bought to Cyprus in the Mediterranean. And Dominic is now sure that he has to tell the rest of the family what he knew, what Eva told him about the calcium pill. So he tells everyone. Now, four weeks after the death, the calcium pill test results come back. They are filled with potassium cyanide, enough poison to kill someone in minutes. So like she took that pill, got on the road, died immediately after. Rosie's death is ruled a homicide. Yaz is now a suspect, but he's also an international fugitive. God. So the FBI gets involved to try to find him. And unfortunately, they find out that he has traveled to Beirut in Lebanon. And we meet a FBI manhunter named Phil Dorsney, who says that Lebanon does not have an extradition treaty with the U.S., so they can't get him out. Rosie's family goes on the news to try to convince Yaz to turn himself in, like begging him. That is not going to work. He is killed of someone and then flown overseas. He is not going to be like, they're asking really nice for me to come back, though. Don't ruin their hope. But what else are they going to do? I know, but it's not going to work. He is so deep into his new life in Lebanon. He has a new identity, Maurice Khalifi. And a goatee, a big goatee now. Well, a Maurice has a goatee. Maurice has a goatee in his passport picture. You can't be a Maurice without a goatee, I don't think. (laughs) Actually, you're correct. I think that's a law. It's a law for sure. So now he is a single guy 
no children. He's looking to party. We have photos of him at weddings. He knows people then he's at their weddings and posing with the bride. Like well enough to be at a wedding. At a wedding. Like he has a whole contact there, this whole new life there. And he's living it up, you know, living it up in Lebanon. (laughs) That's not a song, but it could be. Could be. Yeah. Copyright. David Daylight. (laughs) Anyone's writing that musical about that wild summer they had in Lebanon. (laughs) That's your titular. I am litigious. I will come after you. Yeah, it is with Arwen. Living it up in Lebanon. <laughs> She's doing these dance moves like a dog. We need to start recording the video of the podcast because that was funny. That's going to be stuck in my head now for the rest of my life. It is. It's already stuck in mine. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Living it up in Lebanon. <laughs> They, the authorities are just waiting for him to slip up. He has to leave so that they can get him. And a year later, Rosie's family gets a call from authorities with big news. We got him. Yaz stopped living it up in Lebanon and went to Cyprus to live it up there. Living it up, living it up, (laughs) living it up, living it up, living it up, living it up. They got him because he went to Cyprus and the FBI were able to track him there. And then Dennis very sneakily says, how they knew he was there, they won't say. Ugh. And I was like, what? Okay, fine. That's rude. But still, did they not? If they don't want to tell us, that's fine. Did they not even tell Dennis, Mr. Murphy? I don't think they told Dennis. I think Dennis doesn't know. And I think he's upset. That's rude. He's Dennis Murphy. He's trustworthy. He's also a consummate professional, so he's probably just fine with it. And he says, look, I can't know. I can't know. So whereas you and I would be tearing our hair out, he's very calm and fine with it and probably doesn't even think about it to this day. (laughs) But we do. But I will be asking about it when we finally get to talk to him. Why didn't they tell you? It wasn't that rude, Dennis. So... Cyprus police were waiting for Yaz when he gets off the plane and they take him to the U.S. At this point, we see his mugshots. It's safe to say he has had a make under because he has big frizzy hair. And instead of his I'm a sharp dressed doctor with slick back hair and I dress really well, he's wearing a scuzzy orange tank top with the chest curls that match his frizzy hair, like sticking out. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. He loves the chest hair. And he is just a schlub. He just looks like a giant schlub. I called it hocus pocus hair. (laughs) It's a little bit like hocus pocus hair. Doesn't Bette Midler have hair like that in hocus pocus? Yeah. It's sort of flat on the top and goes out at the sides. And it's curly. It's a little bit like the watcher. And then it's the, it is the tank top that does it. I don't care if you're in Cyprus. You don't want to get arrested in an orange tank top. You're, you're going to go to prison. You, you look guilty. He looks guilty. Take a page out of Lori Vallow's playbook where she's like doing her makeup on the plane so she'll look good when she's arrested. Do that. Don't take any pages <laughs> out of Lori Vallow's playbook. Do not listen to that advice. That's bad advice you're giving people. That's fair. So Detective McGee is waiting for him in the States and he just doesn't say a word to yes. He just puts him in the back of the car. And Dennis says, you didn't say to him, remember me? And Detective McGee says, I think he did. I don't think I had to say that. (laughs) 
I love that Detective McKee is too good for that line. The confidence he has, he remembered me. I would love to have that confidence. I don't think anyone remembers me and I'd remember no one in turn. So this is confidence. He remembers me. That can be the sad, the ballad. (laughs) Of Cyprus, of Lebanon. Invisible me. Yeah. I'm living it up in Lebanon. You're not. You're invisible in Cyprus. So it's even sadder. So Yaz was finally going to trial for poisoning Rosie. And at this point, he has gotten his make over. Well, it's like an unmake under, a remake over. It's brought him back to his original state, which is he looks clean cut, sharp dresser in a suit. His hair is no longer the frizzy Bob Ross. It is a sleek, greed is good, Wall Street type hair. He looks like a handsome-ish doctor that makes money. His lawyers have snuck in some pros in prison, I think is what's happening. Prison pros. He doesn't deserve pros in prison or out of prison. That's true. But our listeners do. Yeah, they do. Look, for many of us, stress is just a feature of our daily lives. For many of us, stress is just our life. That's just (laughs) what we do. We stress. And sometimes we can go through periods where stress is even more intense than it normally is. Maybe you're living it up in Lebanon (laughs) and you get caught for a murder in Cyprus and you're arrested in an orange tank top that was meant to be your hang around the house tank top (laughs) instead it's in your mugshot. That's stressful. But stress can trigger physical reactions that you don't even know about, like dramatically increasing hair shed and thinning. And what's wild is that people usually lose about 50% of their total hair before they even notice that there's an increase in shedding going on. Mm -mm. Isn't that crazy? You're going to look at your hair in the drain in a different way from now on. But thank goodness there's finally a way to stop stress-related hair loss and spark new, stronger growth. And that's with Pros. Pros specializes in custom hair care. And now they also make custom hair supplements that help reduce excess shedding and spark fuller, thicker hair growth with just two capsules a day. Through an online consultation, Pros customizes your supplements to address all the factors that could be triggering your hair issues like age, hormonal changes, high-intense periods of stress, diet, or more. Pro's supplements use only natural, clean, and safe ingredients. No drugs, no hormone disruptors. All the formulas are toxicologist-approved, gluten-free, and vegan. And the best thing of all, they really actually work. Multiple studies show that over 90% of women taking Pro's hair supplements saw less shedding, more hair growth, and improved overall appearance in just 90 days. So what are you waiting for? Try your own custom hair supplements and you'll get 15% off. Get yours at pros.com slash date dateline today. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off custom hair supplements. Because when you're living it up in Lebanon, you got to strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. Thank you, pros. Thank you, pros. The 2022 U doesn't do cholesterol in their omelets. The 2022 U doesn't contribute to the egg industry's polluting impact on the world. The new U wants a breakfast that does good and tastes good. The 2022 U also doesn't take anything that her spouse tries to get her to swallow and instead will handle her own food. Thank you very much. 
Just Egg is a cholesterol-free, plant-based egg that gives you the most decadent quiches of your life, the fluffiest scrambles, and easiest egg sandwich of all time. I made a breakfast burrito today that was the opposite of the gross burritos that we were talking about earlier. It was like perfect. It wasn't mushy. It was all plant-based. It was so good. And being a fugitive on the run is also exhausting. You'll need your macros. Just Egg has about the same protein as a chicken egg and less saturated fat. Plus, Just Egg is packed with cholesterol-lowering polyunsaturated fat. Are those what macros are? I do not know for sure, but I like saying the word macro. Oh, and because Just Egg comes from plants, you're also helping to save our planet and being environmentally friendly and caring about animals. Super sexy qualities, right? Oh, yeah. Can I put Just Egg in the macro wave? <laughs> Just egg, really good egg. And you can find it in the grocery store in the egg section. It's amazing. Katie's still laughing at her microwave joke. She's still laughing. I love just egg. I love just egg. She made a joke the other day. She texted me. She's like, my brain is scrambled with just egg. She was so proud. She didn't think my reaction was good enough. She's like, that was really funny. Why was your reaction not bigger? Bigger than nothing. I'm saving the reaction. I was saving it for now. Thank you. Great joke. Thank you, Just Egg. Thank you, Just Egg. The prosecutors, who are also very good eggs, they need to let the jury know that Yaz is a Jekyll and Hyde. So he's one side, nice husband, ER doctor. And we see a happy photo of Rosie and Yaz. And he's on the other side is an evil poisoner. And then the photo turns black and white very dramatically. Rosie's sister-in-law might have seen this mask slip earlier when Rosie died. So he goes to see Rosie's body in the hospital and he was very cold and disrespectful towards her body in the sister-in-law's opinion. He's like roughly pulling down the sheet, exposing her breast. And he's trying to rip this necklace off of her and moving her body all around. And the sister-in-law just thought it was horrible, like that he was treating her body like that. Why was that necklace like worth something? family heirloom did he want to give it to someone else i just don't understand why he would do something like that with the sister in the room because yeah i get that he's a doctor and he's used to probably being around deceased people but not his wife's body and not with someone else in the room it's very callous it's real weird then finally star witness eva takes the stand and we really don't get to hear anything from her we get to see her walking into the stand, which is better than that close-up shot that took out her neck. But we still don't get very much from Eva. But she testifies about the calcium pills. Where did the cyanide come from? That's a big issue. A poison expert takes the stand and says that it's a mouse click away on eBay, which is not a great ad for eBay. No. And then Dennis says, and it's a snap to shake out the calcium and replace with cyanide. You just take a pen cap and you scoop the cyanide. And I was like, stop telling people this, Dateline. Stop telling them how to commit crimes. But wait a minute. Here's what I don't understand. They didn't say that he got it on eBay. They just said you could get it on eBay. So I don't think they actually knew how he got it. Right. That's correct. But in case the jury was thinking, how would he have even gotten cyanide? I mean, he is a doctor, but I don't know if doctors have access to cyanide. I would think they would have access to items with cyanide in it. Maybe. 
but all medicines at the hospital should be really well regulated. Doesn't rat, isn't rat poison cyanide or is it a different poison? Rat poison, I remember like used to be one thing. People use rat poison a lot, but I think it might be cyanide. But it may be, it must not be because it would have to be in such a small dose that it would kill her with one pill. So whatever he had is super potent. Yeah. And it would do it instantly, like within a, you know, half an hour or so. So the most damning evidence comes from Yaz's decision to flee. And then we meet the fixer, Mr. Fix-It slash Godfather. He's given Yaz an offer he can't refuse. His name is Jamal Khalifi, which is like what Yaz changed his last name to, Maurice Khalifi. Oh, that's right. He testifies. And he saunters up to the stand. There's no point in hurrying or walking properly, like how a hipster would walk. Don't walk like you care. Walk like you don't care and you're unimpressed. So he goes up to the stand and he explains how he helped Yaz get a new life and identity in Lebanon and helped him live in it up. And he spoke to Yaz directly about what happened to Rosie and Yaz admitted he crushed up the cyanide and refilled the pill capsules. This makes him a very bad fix-it man slash godfather figure. The fact that he is ratting. Well, we find out why. And then it all makes sense. Right. Another witness, though, is about to deliver a more dramatic roundhouse punch. Now, I did think Dennis was mixing metaphors a little. I thought there were only roundhouse kicks and I did give it a bing and there are roundhouse punches. My apologies to Dennis. He knew what he was talking about. So Yaz's brother testifies as a prosecution witness. He asked Yaz if he was responsible for Rosie's death and Yaz said yes. So according to these witnesses, Yaz is just telling everyone what he did. He tells Yaz, you're a bleep and they bleep for a really long time. But I figured out what they were saying. And we know what he says. Yes. <laughs> it's what you think he says. It's exactly what you think he's going to say to his brother. You're a blank and blank blank. Yeah. There we go. So Dennis says that Yaz's brother gave the evidentiary kill shot. And I was a little disappointed that he didn't say could coup de gras. I was like, Dennis, say coup de gras. You know you want to say coup de gras. Maybe he said it in his previous episode, but he did. He, yeah, the I don't know. It's his own brother testifying against him. That can't be good. That's going to be bad. Yeah, that's bad. It's an evidentiary kill shot slash coup de gras. Slash roundhouse knock, knockout. Nah, KO. Is that what they say? KO'd. Yep. KO'd, which is also Katie and Oliver. So just for everyone, don't don't forget. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yep. So what about the motive? What about it? Turns out that Yaz had other women on the side. And I know that is shocking to hear that a handsome ER doctor. Did you know who they were at this point? Because I had an idea. I had an idea too. Dennis says a doctor with a first degree cheating heart. What was that? That I didn't get. Why didn't you say a code red cheating heart? Wouldn't that go better with doctor than first degree? Because he's being on tried for first degree murder. But you say specifically he's a doctor. So once you do like a medical. Sorry, I thought it was first degree burn. Oh, a first degree burn. But I don't I'm not smart. I could not get there with the metaphor. 
No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know. With a cheating heart doctorate. Is that what he's trying to say? Like it's a degree, like a college degree? With a with a degree, a degree in cheating. John Hopkins degree in cheating hearts. Okay. He's a doctor and his speciality is cheating. Yes. And endocrinology. Yes. It was clunky. I'm going <laughs> to give you that. Let's keep going. Every Wednesday, Yaz spent time with a mistress. Or as Dennis says, girlfriends, mistresses, sex partners, lots of them. Oh, boy. Dennis, you get me. He had a bedroom in his satellite company. He had a satellite like disc company with his brother. And in addition to being a doctor and they had an office space. And in this office space, he kept a bedroom and the two prosecutors are describing it. And the one guy prosecutor says it was this playhouse. And then the female prosecutor is Love Shack. And he's, oh, yeah, Love Shack. That's what we called it. Because he's like, Playhouse. You know, she's thinking Playhouse. We called it a love shack, like Pee Wee's Playhouse, like for children where there's swing sets. What are you talking about? It's a love shack. I'm so glad that you're actually bringing up the love shack because, okay, so what they said was they had an office in the building. So I am hoping that the room that we're seeing is not the actual dish headquarters office because it's not an office. There's a TV with a little side table and like a weird couch. It is an office because the ceiling has those squares and there's like a little kitchenette. But I think they own the building because they said I went back and they said in the same office building where their offices were is this pad. They made this weird office space, a living room. It's clearly an office space, but they've tried to make it feel like an apartment. Barely. The most bachelory of bachelor pad apartments where nothing matches. And then this bedroom with the fanciest bedspread, like a big old bedspread. Okay. It bothered me so much. I feel like it's what a man thinks a woman wants for a sexy getaway. This flowery, like Laura Ashley comforter. And then one wall is painted pink, which I felt like if you're trying to do like a sexy mistress time, wouldn't you pick reds or something like very sexy? This is flowery that a husband would feel emasculated if his wife decorated the bedroom like that. It's very clearly also in an office room that's supposed to be used for meetings. It's again, the ceiling. It's fluorescent lighting. So you know what's sexy for a love shack? Good lighting. So you look good, not overhead fluorescence where everyone is aged 10 years (laughs) and every pimple you had when you were 10 is visible. The scar is somehow there under that light. This is bad. It's so weird. Let's have you know, daytime sex, and then we'll congregate by the water cooler and gossip about how everyone hates Joan in accounting. It's such a weird vibe. I know. And then go to this weird three-fourths fridge. It's not even a whole fridge. It's three-fourths. And so you can fit like a case of Michelob. I don't know. It's bad. It's dark times. It's so weird. So not sexy. Not none of it. No. Again, the ceiling, if you're doing stuff on that bed and you're looking up at that ceiling and you're instantly transported to an office. You're thinking about what you've done. 
this is a horrible thing that I've done. You're thinking about your deadline, the PowerPoint that's due tomorrow. Not sexy. So turns out this is really shocking. One of the lovers is the nanny, Margarita Montanez. She has had a long-term affair with Yaz while Rosie was alive. This goes way back. And Rosie knew nothing about it. She was married and ready to get a divorce, but they were just doing it. It was not a love thing. It wasn't love. It was purely sex. It was an occasional friends with benefits type situation. It's very downplayed. Then there's the nighttime nanny, Michelle Madeline, who also has a double M name. What's up with this? What's I don't know. That's weird. The nannies have M&M names. Then we see a hot red camisole, which was a gift that Yaz gave on Valentine's Day to Michelle two weeks before Rosie's death. A representative from the company that he ordered the camisole from has to take the stand. And I don't know why they do this and why they don't just have the prosecutor I guess they try to break it up so it's not just the prosecutor talking all the time. But like they make this poor woman leave her job and come down and testify. And she's reading the card that was attached to the camisole, which said next Valentine's Day will be all ours, which is sort of implying that next year Rosie won't be around. Right. And then it says, I love you with all my being. Yes. I feel really bad for that employee. She's like not comfortable reading it. She has her head down. She would rather work at the camisole company than testify in a murder trial. Michelle testifies. This is the nighttime nanny, the camisole nanny. We don't get to see her face. She has asked that it's not shown. Yaz had told her that she was his dream come true and that he would leave Rosie to be with her. Michelle said, I don't want to be with a married man. And so we can't do this. And Yaz wouldn't take no for an answer. He was going to have this relationship with Michelle. So the prosecution thinks this was the motive. Another illogical thing would be, Yaz, you could just get a divorce, but it's Dateline. So you chose not to do that. Michelle says that Yaz told her he was over Rosie. He wasn't in love with her anymore. And he called her cold and a mana, mana, mana which is a refrigerator brand that I have not heard of. From where? I've never heard of it. If they don't have commercials, then I don't know it. (laughs) That's how I know brands of refrigerators. So yeah, he's comparing to a refrigerator because she's cold. I would be like, are you comparing me to a refrigerator because of my weight? That's offensive. But it was because she was cold. That was what that was about. It's still offensive. It's really mean. It's also awful that the family has to hear this. Yeah, it's horrible because they're in the courtroom. The defense states that the true killer was in the courtroom, but it wasn't Yaz. They say Yaz was not husband of the year. He did cheat. Cheating doesn't mean he's a killer. You know, he was actively trying to have a baby with Rosie. He was not trying to kill her. And first of all, if he was the monster everyone says he is, why would the family like him so much? Her family loved him because they did not know what was going on on Wednesdays in that apartment office building. Psychopaths are really likable until they're not, and then they're not. The defense's response about Michelle was that Michelle meant nothing to him. She was just another take-a-number girlfriend. 
Dennis. He was a respected doctor with a wife and a family, and he had as many women on the side as he wanted. So he had it all. He had no motive to kill. That is true. I really struggled with the motive in this. Also, would a guilty man turn over the pills if he knew they contained cyanide? Also, why did he keep the pills? Really good points on that, too. Cockiness, arrogance. But, well, I have some outside information that might help. Oh, good. Unless you think you know, but I I think I know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to wait. Nope. Got to keep going. I'll tell you at the end. The defense says the detective poured the pills in his hands which kind of contaminated what was inside the pills. Okay. Because the detective had been dealing with cyanide earlier in the day. Right, exactly. Also, the forensics people did not check for prints on the bottle and it was bad. That's bad. The detective does admit on the stand that he made a mistake, which again, so rare. Good for him. There is no evidence that Yaz is the one who ordered the cyanide or got the pills. That was in his house and it wasn't Rosie. That's all we know. But that's weird that there's no evidence that he got the cyanide. That's bad, too. I mean, you create a fake eBay account. But there's nothing on any of his computers, his work computer, his home computer, nothing that shows him going on eBay and looking at items like this. Do you know what I'm saying? Searches like this you can find. Right. Maybe he did steal them from the hospital. Is it still a thing where you would get a cyanide pill like in the Hunger Games? <laughs> to take if you're captured. Yeah. If you're in mortal, if you're in mortal danger. Yeah. You're captured by the enemy troops and you don't want to give up your secrets. Is he a spy? Right. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Did he get it from Mr. Fix-It? Because I have a really strong suspicion that Mr. Fix-It has stuff like that in a basement. That makes sense. So, but Mr. Fix-It is in Lebanon. Did he mail it to him? Did he mail it? Did he get any packages from Lebanon? Mm-hmm. So they spin the story of how he fled to Lebanon, that his lawyers told him he could be facing the death penalty and he panicked. OK, also, his lawyer pronounces his name as Yaz and not Yaz. And I don't. But Dennis says Yaz. Oh, OK. Sorry. I was saying Yaz. Oh, well, who knows? So the defense says the witnesses on the stand lied because they cut deals. So they, the brother, he lied because he was facing charges for helping Yaz go on the lam. So he took a plea deal. Otherwise, he would go to jail. He sang for his supper, as Dennis said. I feel like that's kind of a good reason. I don't know. The defense had some good stuff. The reason that the yeah. So keep going. The other, the fixer, the godfather, he was a fugitive wanted by the United States for some 29 indictments that we don't really hear much about. And so he got a deal, they say as well, to lie. And they have a very contentious exchange. The defense is telling Mr. Fix-It Godfather, listen to my question. And then the fixer goes, you don't talk. You don't talk. Yeah. And the fixer goes, don't scream in my face. And then the defense says, listen, sir, to my question, sir. And then the fixer starts laughing because he's just like over the whole thing because he's a hipster. He doesn't want to act like he cares too much. He's not a hipster. Sorry. He's a godfather hipster. 
He is literally maybe 70. So when people are going to be thinking about a guy up there in a kerchief, no, he's not. There's no greasy haired guy. Picture Robert De Niro and he's like acting like a hipster. But Robert De Niro now. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Not back in the day. Not taxi driver. Driver. Now. In a suit kind of waddling up to the stand. It's not like a hipster walk. It's a waddle of, hey, I've been around the block. (laughs) I'm unimpressed with all of you. I've been around many, many blocks. Yeah. I've seen better people in my toilet. Exactly. Except he's from Lebanon. So he's Lebanese. He's from Lebanon. Again, the accent doesn't work. But he does seem like sort of a lifelong criminal. 29 indictments. But it's more like he, he just doesn't care because he's seen a thousand people murdered. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you want to yell at me? I don't care. What do I care? I chopped a guy's head off yesterday. Pretty much, which is kind of why I buried both of my brothers, which is kind of why. Alive. They were still alive. Allegedly, I do not want Mr. Fixit to come <laughs> after me and my cats. Please sir, let me be. I'm nobody. And so anyways, I do feel like he would absolutely lie to get a lighter sentence. 100%. That makes sense to me that he would lie. The brother, I'm not sure because the brother would have to now has to turn on his brother. But Mr. Fixit has no loyalty. Here's the question. He's in Lebanon. Lebanon has no extradition treaty with the United States. They could just have not gotten him and he wouldn't have had to come. So you think he came out of the goodness of his heart for the poor woman that died? No, I just say I don't understand. I don't either. He was a fugitive. Could we have someone who specializes in Interpol and international law call us? Can you subpoena someone from in another country? And does that work when an extradition doesn't work? That doesn't seem right. Do you still have Interpol's number? Yeah, sure. From when we were living it up. In Lebanon. <laughs> then you, you got to figure some stuff out. There is a whole Interpol number in Act 2. There should be an Interpol. Speaking of Interpol numbers, there absolutely should. And it's like FBI candy files out. Yeah. Uh, and they're dancing with their briefcase and they're spinning them around. Exactly. And sunglasses on. And at one point they flip them down and cut. Co- uh-huh. I love it. It's going to get a Tony and then an EGOT. It's move over, Lin-Manuel Miranda. We're coming for you. We are. We're going to EGOT with this. We're doing it. So the defense says that the real killer, remember they said the real killer was in the courtroom? It's Margarita. The one that didn't like him that much, that was friends with benefits? Case Candelique. The daytime nanny who said it was just sex, it was just with benefits, it wasn't. They don't believe that casual friends thing. They think she was obsessed with him and wanted to be with him, even though she was married. Apparently, she was so obsessed with him that she scheduled her own wedding on the same day Yaz got married to Rosie because she was so obsessed. That doesn't make any sense. That makes zero sense. She was so heartbroken at not being able to marry Yaz because he's marrying Rosie that she decides to marry her own guy on the same day. 
I don't want to sound gender biased, but I'm about to sound a little gender biased. Was there no woman on this defense team? Defense team. Yeah. Because if they had had one, she would have been like, yeah, that's dumb. Nobody's doing that to like get at him. No, it's hard to plan a wedding. You pick whenever the venue can accommodate you. 100%. And whatever season matches the kind of dress you want to get. So guys, this is, it all was in her wedding binder and has nothing to do with yes. This is a really stupid, if I was a member of the jury at this point, I'd be like, okay, no. Also, Margarita is so believable on the stand. It's not even funny. There's no reason to think she's lying. She's like, no, it was really just sex. Yeah. And the thing with the wedding date was just a coincidence. And I kind of believe that because you if you're trying to get married, let's say on a Saturday, because most people want to get married on a Saturday and it's in, let's say, spring when most people want to get married. Let's say it's in May, a Saturday in May. Yeah, you're going to have the same date. There's only four of them. So you're probably. Yeah. Then they say because she worked at the satellite dish company that Yaz had, she had access to his key to his house because he kept his key at the come. I don't understand. She snuck over there into the house, planted the pills, not maybe worried that Yaz would take one for some calcium or the children would get into them. She just put them there knowing that Rosie, because he maybe he had told her he was going to give Rosie some calcium pills. So she's the real killer. The prosecution says police looked at her and they dismissed her as a suspect. It's not her. The trial goes on for seven weeks and had over 60 witnesses. The jury deliberates for three days. The poor mom is shake Gigi. She's shaking and everyone's like, breathe, Gigi. The verdict comes back as guilty and the family all does that like double take where they kind of almost fall over out of their chairs. Oh, the mom fully like jerks back. Yeah, because they're so relieved at the sentencing. Rosie's family confronts Yaz, who they once loved. And it's brutal because Rocco says maybe there'll be less nights now that Gigi cries herself to sleep. Oh, and we all wept a thousand tears. It was horrible. Rosie's brother, Dominic, demands an apology from Yaz, who is currently wearing an orange prison jumpsuit and has all of his chest hair, just proud out all the way up to his neck. And again, he must really think orange is his good color because of that tank top. So he's going to look great in prison. I'm really happy for him. He's in autumn, I guess. And he looks good in orange. Not many people can pull it off. And Dominic says, are you going to apologize? Are you man enough? And Yaz says nothing, obviously. And he gets life in prison. And Dennis ends with some what ifs. What if Eva was never on the phone with Rosie at that time? What if she was on the freeway instead of a side street and it was a high impact crash? There would never have been an autopsy. No one would have thought it was suspicious. So that's kind. it would have been the perfect crime. Don't tell Dateline people this again, how to commit the perfect crime, though. Stop stop telling people how to get away with murder. Yeah, maybe don't do that. But I'm about to tell you how to do it because it's how he wanted it to happen. He wanted her to be on the freeway. So that was the original plan. Yeah, and she was on the freeway, but she took another exit and got off on a side street. But he assumed that she would take the fastest way. 
which was the freeway, and that this would happen when she was going 60 miles an hour, which means, yes, she would never have been checked. So probably he didn't throw the pills away because of that. Gotcha. I'm guessing he was keeping the other pills for safety in case he thought he needed to take one. I don't know. I don't know why he would keep them. I don't think he has that in him. I think he would just flee to another country. Yeah, that's what he did. But I mean, I have no idea then why he would keep them. I think it would maybe he would think it would be more suspicious to throw them out. But then why wouldn't you just put normal calcium pills back in the bottle, you dummy? Exactly. So that's what's the most suspicious. And I see why the defense attorneys went for that, because that is very weird that he would keep them. Yeah, it was really cocky, dumb, careless. Also, again, you do have children in the house, young children. Yeah. Is it too careless? And as someone swallowed her dog's heartworm pills when she was two and had to have her stomach pumped, this gal, it's dangerous to keep that sort of stuff in the house. Why are you eating random pills at two years old? I don't know. I had Pika. I don't know. (laughs) Where were my parents? This is candy. (laughs) You probably thought it was candy. Sure. I thought it was candy. Sure. Any other outside info? Yeah. When he was out on the lamb, he was going to all the nightclubs, they said. And they also, I guess that, what's his name? Uh, Fixie the Fix-It, Mr. Fix-It. He did say that he was telling anybody that would listen what he did. Interesting. So he was blabbing about it all over the place. I think he thought it gave him street cred almost. Exactly. I just said that thought. Yeah. But he also did start seriously dating somebody three months after he got to Lebanon. A school teacher. Shocking. I know. I'm wondering if that was who he was at the wedding with. Maybe. I don't know. But he was there for like a year before they got him. And the extradition was gnarly. Because Cyprus won't extradite him because they don't have the death penalty. So if you were going for a death penalty case with him, and so his lawyers worked so hard because, of course, he had lawyers behind the scenes saying, no, 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 they're going for the death penalty. They're lying to you. They're just saying they're not going to go for the death penalty. But also, apparently, he got life in prison. But Ohio, at that time, there is a parole after 20 years. So he will be looked at. It's not life without parole. It's life. And I guess now Ohio has the law where the parole is at the judge's discretion, which is much better. But he will still get up for parole in 10 years from now. That's crazy to me. I don't think he's getting out. Why did he kill her? I think he wanted to not get a divorce because of money, maybe. Usually it's about money. Or the kids, he didn't, no, not the kids. He didn't care about the kids. He fled to Lebanon. So just about money. That's usually why on Dateline, they just don't want to get a divorce because he wants to be with other ladies. And I don't know, maybe she had started to suspect. I don't know. I really have a lot of questions. I feel like the friends would know if she had started to suspect. I feel like Ava would know. I don't know. A lot of times people keep that stuff like that private. Yeah, I guess you're right. Huh. This episode is dedicated to Angela O and Gina S. Thank you so much, ladies. You are living it up in the United States. Are they U.S. listeners? They are U.S. listeners. And I don't know if that's as good as limiting up in Lebanon, but... It doesn't rhyme. I feel like if you're living... I keep saying Libin. Libin. Okay. Living it up in Lisbon. 
That would be good. That there you go. That's a whole different thing. But if Angela and Gina are living it up in the United States, I think they're. I'm trying to think of. They can't be living it up. It's got to be. You start something with a U. Excited and United States. No, undeniably fun. I don't know. I can't think of anything. Underwhelmed in the United States. I'm just kidding. Well. You're a grand old flag. You're a high fly flag. You're fine. You've got it all. Well, you guys are great. And hopefully sometime soon you'll be able to go on a trip and live it up in some place that starts with an L. Yeah. Las Vegas. There we go. Leeds. Yeah. Jolly old England. Uh-huh. The world is your oyster, ladies. And we hope that you get to live it up at some point this year because you deserve it because you're awesome Patreons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Angela and Gina. Okay. B-roll bonanza. Lots of B-roll. Yes. We have a red camisole with flowers for the V-Day set that was purchased, which was so elaborately set up for that B-roll shot. Yeah, it was. It was beautiful. It was very sensual. Red roses. It was so sensual. There might as well have been candles and champagne. It was really sensual. Champagne. Yeah. There's lots of home movies. There's footage of them at a wedding. And Yaz is saying, it's, I think, their wedding. And Yaz is saying, I think we'll have a beautiful future together. Kind of looks always at the camera like he's a serial killer. <laughs> like he wants to murder the camera. I really don't. He's got an unnerving stare. It is. It's very, it's not warm. He's the Frigidaire. It's piercing. He is just peers at that camera in every photo. Even if he's kind of smiling, his eyes are cold. Yeah, he's cold as ice. He's willing to sacrifice their love. You never take advice. I wish we could put that song into the musical, but it's already taken. <laughs> the family sitting around their outdoor fireplace. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. We haven't seen that before, have we? The family around a fire pit when it's cold because they're all in jackets? Not often. I would like to see some s'mores B-roll. That would be nice. We do see the family in a kitchen around a kitchen island drinking wine and eating pistachios. There's a big tray of pistachios where the shells go in the middle and they're like shelling them and eating them. Is that what they were eating? I did not see that. Okay, I saw the wine. I didn't know that that's people stood around eating pistachios and wine, but I guess they do. If I could get the nerve to buy one of those big bags, of, I'm not going to say the word. Pistachios. But I put, I have a hard time spending the $12. Uh, it's like $12 for the big bag of those. I don't even know if I like them. I've never even bothered to open this. I'm too lazy. Oh, they're so good. They're so salty. You would love them. Oh, maybe I would. You need to get yourself a little bag. I might might try it. I love salty. Oh, this is a life-changing day for you. I love salty nuts. And that is your out-of-context date with Dateline. <laughs> You're welcome for that one. <laughs> That's a freebie. The hazy footage of the cell phone when she's like supposed to be calling, we get a little bit of a reenactment. Did you see it? Yeah, it's that very blurry camera shot where it's like you're on drugs. Which is upsetting because she was dying. So I don't want to see it from that point of view. This was a horrific thing. I know. I'm just glad it was fast. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. 
We see a lot of close-up shots of the calcium pills spilled over, and it's very clearly a CVS brand of calcium pills, which I feel like brands unhappy being on Dateline, CVS brand of supplements. We see the nosy neighbor who is not that nosy. She's like doing dishes. And at one point she's studying from like big textbooks and it's an over the head fancy shot through like the stairs railing. Fancy. Is it the stairs railing? I thought it was like that wire thing that holds pots in her kitchen. I couldn't tell where the camera was coming from. The satellite dish company is called Dish One Up. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Dish the number one up. And that's a Katie title if I've ever heard one. No, I would call it Let's Dish. Let's Dish. That's better. You're right. That's better. The orange chairs in the jury box did match his jumpsuit and his tank top, but they were so ugly. Very ugly chairs. I did not like them. Maybe they spend their money on other things. Yeah, you're right. They looked more comfortable. We have seen some very uncomfortable looking jury chairs. We have. And that's the worst. So I would rather sit in an ugly chair and have it be comfortable than something hard and beautiful. Yeah. Fashion police. The nosy neighbor is wearing leopard print. We never see animal print anymore. We saw it so much at the beginning when we started our podcast. It was on the first round of bingo cards and we rarely see it anymore. So I was pretty excited. We don't, which seems suspicious. Interesting. Super sus? No, just suspicious. Sorry, her name is Christy, I believe, or Christine, the nosy neighbor, the Gladys Kravitz. She's a pageant mom, right? Yeah, she's gorgeous. She's in pageants now, maybe. Mom pageant. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. The female prosecutor is wearing this blazer with lots of metal buttons and beads and fripperies on it. And barely gets to talk. Gold and black scarf thing. She does have the glorious moment when she corrects Playhouse to Love Shack. But she hardly gets any other moments. Is it because of her outfit? Is there too many janglies? It's very jangly. Her outfit is just extremely like she couldn't go through a metal detector. And I'm worried it messed up her sound on her mic. And that's why we didn't get more sound bites from her. That's very interesting possibility. Because she sat for the whole interview. I know. I don't know. I didn't like that very much. I wanted to hear more from her. Yeah. Titles. Yes. Okay. This one doesn't really. Milk. It does a body dead. That's not. No. Oh. It's not good. Take the lamb. That's a callback. Yeah, I know. I almost did it. I almost did that one too. That's from our, only our early listeners will get that. Mm. On Wednesdays, we cheat. Oh, that's good. Thanks. Okay, this is sort of a song. Cyanide. And that's how she became the nanny. Because if she killed her and then that's how she became. Oh, is that how the song goes? You don't know the nanny theme song? I do. But what does it say instead of cyanide? Nothing really. Oh. I don't know. I like it. I think that's very good. Da-da-da-da. Hey, good job. You did good. Hey, that's all I got. Thanks. How about cyanide and seek? Oh, because of hide and seek? Yeah, so cyanide and seek. Cyanide and seek. Because then, then they had to search for him. It's not great. Maybe better. I did write down satellite of love because it was a satellite office. Is that a song? And Satellite of Love is a song. Yes, it is. Supplement to Murder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. A Supplemental Murder. Yep, there we go. Gladys Kravitz stops by 
And then a Yaz song that's very important because of him, which is, And all I ever knew, I killed you. (laughs) That's it. Because that is a Yaz song. That's one of my favorite songs, too. And his name was Yaz. I know. It's That's it. Oh, God. That's horrible. But really, I don't know. We did not come up with a name for our musical, so I'm disappointed. It's Living It Up in Lebanon. That's the titular song. That means that that's the title. But that's, that can't, I know, but I feel like it needs, yeah, I guess that's not, people wouldn't go see that. They wouldn't be like, I'm going to go see, it's got to be one or two words. Lebanon love? Lebanon negotiable. Lebanon negotiable. That's great. There, we did it. You did it. I think you did it. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Oh, what if you were a secret spy in Lebanon and you were Lebanonymous? Lebanonymous. I'm writing it down. Again, that doesn't go with the musical. We can make it go with the musical. You can make anything work. It's our musical. That's true. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you for being with us. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and check out our Patreon. We do lots of bonus stuff lately. We've been doing full length bonus episodes and we've talked about Yellow Jackets. We're talking about Amazing Race. We're talking about 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day. That's the big one. And we are going to be doing a couple bonus things also this month extra. So check us out. And thank you to everybody. Thank you to our Patreons. And have fun if you're watching the Olympics. Yeah. No, I will support you. If that's important to you, then that's great. I think this is a big deal. We go through this every time the Olympics are here. I know. I never sound enthusiastic. Apologies. I'm just bitter because Dateline's not on TV. That's pretty much where where we're at. No, but I support all the athletes, especially the women. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah, you can. I do that every year. Also, it's really fun because I do like to do these older episodes. We get, we just see things we don't see anymore so we can see how Dateline's changed. So it's really fun. So stick with us. It's going to be a fun little bit here because we're going to have some great old episodes. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Living it up in Lebanon. <laughs> living it up, living it up. Living it up, living it up. Living it up, living it up. Recently discovered that my dad loves to watch those coming up next on 90 Day Fiance when they're just going to commercial. And if he goes to the bathroom, you have to rewind and watch the coming up. What's going to be. But I'm like, it's going to be on right now. We are literally fast forwarding through the commercials and we are going to watch the entire scene. But he wants to watch the snippet of what's coming up next, even though we're watching it. on fa- We're fast forwarding through. The- Do you see my point? How do you do with that? How does that sit with you? I got pretty mad. And he was like, why does it bother you so much? And I'm like, because we're literally about to watch the actual scene, the way it's edited for the show. Not these like these sneak peeks where they try to make it all like, oh, my God. And you don't even it's all fake, you know, or like it's just a snippet of a conversation. It tries. We're literally about to watch it. It's not like watching what's going to happen next week and it'll tide you over. It is literally tiding you over the five seconds it takes me to fast forward through the commercials. Why do you need to watch the little like coming up? Gino says, I'm not going to take my hat off, Jasmine. And then we're about to fast forward and then watch the actual scene where he tells her, I'm not going to take my hat off, Jasmine. By the way, the show's way more dramatic than that hat thing, but that is pretty funny.
he won't take his hat off. You could totally see this, right? <laughs> it's so, yeah, I can see all the different groups of people on the stage singing it. Yeah, I know you can. I also feel like there might be, you know, like ribbon dancing. Oh, I was thinking about a flag in the back. Yeah. Waving for sure. Yeah. And maybe some like where they fling it and fly it up in the air and catch it. I am totally into that. Do you think there'd be people on silks, like acrobats on silks? Yeah, there might be silks. Yeah, coming down. Because this is the big number, right? The big number. Yeah. So it either closes act one or it... It's the titular number. I would say it closes act one when he gets to Lebanon. Yeah. And it starts with the club scene and then it opens into this bigger... Uh-huh. It's good. Mm-hmm. And maybe he meets the girl that's the love of his life, but she is the daughter of a fixer slash godfather that we are going to meet soon. Oh, yeah. Let's get. I can't wait for him. Let's. Yeah. Act two is going to be nuts, you guys. Yeah, it is. I mean, Dennis did have some real moments in this. He's a winner. He's amazing. I do love him. He just he cracks me up. First doctor with a first degree cheating heart. I still don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, if anyone wants to explain that one to us. We're missing it. The thing is, I know it's I know it's right there and we're just It's really obvious. It's gotta have to do with first degree murder. But you want to make it medical. So Right, because he specifically says a doctor. He could have just said a husband. He says a doctor. I don't get it. Maybe it is first degree burns. It couldn't be. It would have to be third degree. Because those are the burns that you go to the hospital for, right? First, yeah, first degree burns are not bad at all, actually. First degree burns is like where something's too hot in the macrowave. 